Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I would love to do so after the service. Um, a couple of things before we get started. I just want to reiterate what Danny said uh, at the beginning of the service. Um, accompanied with the 21 days of prayer that we've been in, um, which I pray has just been really fruitful for you and, and your soul. Um, we've paired it with this phrase being all in. Um, and I just encourage you guys, you, your family, um, to uh, pray about this week and consider this week about what that next step is from um, giving, serving, and sharing to go from nothing to something, something to significant, and significant to sacrificial. Um, and uh, just, just pray through that and think through that as an individual or as a family. We'd really appreciate it. Um, a couple of other things I just want to address before we dive into the message. Number one, um, if you have kids or are familiar with our kids' ministry, uh, you knew that Miss um, Caitlin Pierce, uh, who was running our kids' ministry, uh, was pregnant. And uh, she had her baby on Friday, and uh, which is awesome, but it's a crazy story. And uh, she had her son, Landon, uh, in the car on the way to the hospital. And uh, mama and baby are both healthy. They're both great. They're home. Um, but a meal train will be posted um, on Facebook uh, or social media tomorrow. And so I would just encourage you, um, if Caitlin's made an impact in you or your kids' lives, uh, would you just sign up and, and help them um, with meals? Uh, I know I'll share it. My wife will share it um, and uh, on Facebook. And you guys can just sign up uh, like that. Um, that would be really helpful. So um, with that being said, though, that, lead, that, that left a, a hole in our, student or our kids' ministry for um, kind of a point person. And so what I've done is, uh, and this person graciously said yes, is I've asked uh, Danny, the person who is up here leading um, the engaged time, to kind of lead our family slash kids' ministry. Um, moving forward and so he has said yes so we all just thank Danny for being willing to lead that um, I'll say this I think it's really I, I, I'm so grateful for my wife who when we launched led our kids ministry and I'm thankful for Caitlin who um, when my wife had to step down because um, she was pregnant and then Caitlin was pregnant which by the way if you are in here and you're looking to have a child just become our kids ministry director um, but uh, I, I think it's important. Um, I'm, here's why I'm thankful that Danny said yes. When you look at our world today, um, the majority of teachers influencing kids um, from nursery pretty much all the way through elementary at those formative years are all women. Um, when you look at the majority of uh, people who teach Sunday school and are children's directors or children's pastors at different churches, the majority of those people that do that in America are women. And I'm so, so thankful for the women that help lead our kids' ministry week in and week out. Um, you guys who have not served in kids' ministry uh, yet, uh, let me just say, um, those ladies over there sacrifice their Sundays um, to help make sure that your kids know Jesus and um, allow you to have a time where you can gather here um, kid-free and uh, enjoy the service. And so I am so, so thankful for them. If you see them, just be sure to thank them. Um, it, it matters a whole lot. And I'm so, so thankful for the women. But I will say this, I am thankful. I think it's important 
um, that somebody like Danny, um, a man, uh, to step in and, and help be formative during these, these, uh, these years in our kids' lives. And here's what I would encourage you. If your wife serves in kids' ministry in some capacity, um, my encouragement to you husbands is to once a month serve with her. Um, it will make a difference in the life of a young man in that room to see another man um, teaching the gospel and God's word to them uh, at their level. And so that is my encouragement to you and to our church. I'm thankful for Danny being willing to step in um, in that role. Uh, but if your wife serves in some capacity, uh, either biweekly or three times a month in kids ministry, once a month, my challenge to you husbands um, is to step up and to help lead in the kids ministry in some capacity. Um, second thing I want to I want to cover really quickly, and they didn't know I was going to uh, talk about this, but um, I just want to take a moment and pray. Uh, there is um, Billy and Millie Murray are in the room today, and I'm so so thankful for them. Would you guys just kind of raise your hands really quickly? Um, I'm so so thankful for them. Um, their son had surgery this past week, and uh, everything went well. And then um, Friday. Um, or Thursday, which uh, regardless, it, um, he uh, had to be taken to the hospital again, um, and he's having surgery this week. And so his name is Homer, and we're just going to spend a couple minutes praying for him this morning. Um, so would you guys just cover them in prayer, their son Homer in prayer, and their family in prayer this morning? Dear God, I, I am, we come to you this morning just thankful for the hope that we have in you, that here is not the ultimate, that God, one day we will see ultimate glory. One day we will see ultimate healing. There will be no more brokenness, no more sickness, no more sin. But God, in the immediate, God, there is sickness. There is hard times. There is struggles and troubles. But God, these times are not hopeless because we still have you. So God, right now we pray for Homer. We pray for his family. God, we pray for supernatural healing upon his life and upon his brain. Um, God, we pray that uh, you would touch his body in a supernatural way. And we pray for that in faith, believing in faith, you will do it. But God, just like your word says, but even if you don't, we know that you're still the healer. We know that you're still good. So God, lead the doctors in wisdom. God, get, lead the family in peace and in comfort. Um, be with Homer right now. Um, and God, just let your presence fill the room where he is. Uh, God, again, we pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys, and we're praying for him. Um, we have been in a series called The Good Life. And what we've been doing is we've just been um, taking uh, a, a look at um, these letters written to these seven churches in the book of Revelation. Um, now, uh, the disciple, the apostle John wrote these letters on an island called Patmos after he was stranded. But here's, here's how he wrote them. It wasn't just divine inspiration from the Holy Spirit like the rest of the Bible. Jesus himself, the res like after he ascended, he revealed himself to John and began to speak out loud these letters to John and said, I want you to write these seven letters to these seven churches. And so... John begins to write these letters, and we've been looking at these letters, and it, what it's essentially doing in these letters is he's saying, hey, listen, you're doing really good things. He's talking to these churches. But I have a couple things that 
we really need to work out. And I want to encourage you this morning, the fact that you're here, the fact that you're seeking out truth, the fact that you uh, consider yourself um, part of a church family and Jesus followers, I'm here to say you are doing great. You're doing good. But Jesus just doesn't stop with partial. He wants all of you. And so the key to the good life is giving Jesus all of you. And so that's what we're talking about over, the, that's what we've been talking about, that's what we're going to continue talking about, um, and I'm excited for today. I have a two-year-old, uh, just turned two a couple weeks ago, his name is Cade, his legal name is Daniel Wayne Warren IV, named after his father, Daniel Wayne Warren III, and named after my father, Daniel Wayne Warren Jr., um, and, uh, and then named after my grandfather, no junior, just that name. Uh, but one thing about Cade um, is, well, why did you name him uh, Cade, right? Well, Cade is four in Latin. My name is legally Daniel, which I'm the third, so Trey in Spanish, uno, dos, tres. Ah, you get it. Uh, so uh, one thing about Cade is he is learning and he is starting to make decisions based on his own opinion, right? He is no longer that little, like, whatever you say is, like, goes, dad. It's, I have a will. And I have an opinion about everything in life. Uh, and so one of the things we are teaching him or doing our best to teach him is like which foods to eat. Because if it was up to him, Oreos all day long. And not the cookie, right? We give him an Oreo. He takes it apart. He takes off the, the frosting. He like rips it off like a Band-Aid. And that's all he'll eat. And he'll go through a whole pack of Oreos just with the frosting or that little whatever you call it, the heavenly goodness inside, right? That's all he would eat if it was up to us. He loves French fries. He loves Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. He loves the sugar-filled apple juice. He loves sugary, salty, carby foods. Last night, we tried to give, we fed Maverick, our newborn who's six months old. We gave him... Uh, avocado puree um, my wife blended it up and he had a solid food solid food for the first time last night and was loving it Cade saw it and was like I want to try that so he started like tugging my my shirt and pointing at what Maverick was eating so I got a spoon of avocado I handed it to Cade I put it in his mouth he spit it out and almost threw up he started screaming. He's like, ah, ah, and did not know what to do. So I, I was like, oh, buddy, come here. And he began to lick my shirt, trying to get it off of his tongue. He started sobbing to the point where he was gagging. Like he could not handle the healthiness of avocado. So what did I do as a good dad? I went and got him applesauce. I went and got him uh, some more chips, you know, just to get it out of his system. When we go outside and we play, uh, I encourage him to stay on our little uh, driveway sidewalk area and draw on the sidewalk. He darts it for the road. I don't know what it is about kids and roads, but it is a magnet for them. And so my son will walk out, he'll look at me and just book it to the road. And he doesn't even want to do anything, though. He just goes to the road and just stands there. I was like, what do you do? So I run and I grab him. I'm like, no road, no. No, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. I'm like, no road, son, none. Like, do not go on the road. And I bring him back to the sidewalk, and we begin to draw, and eventually he, like, drops it and begins to walk away like this, and then takes off. I'm like, no road, no road. What am I trying to teach my son? 
I'm trying to develop or trying to instill in him this thing that we're going to be talking about this morning called discernment. We're slowly teaching him discernment, what to eat, right? Like what to eat, how, like why you should eat certain ways. Why we don't just go stand in the road, right? Why we don't just do those things. The other week we were at Chick-fil-A and I trusted him with a thing of chocolate milk and a straw. I look over, baptized himself in chocolate milk and Chick-fil-A with chocolate milk. I'm like, we don't do that because now, and then he started crying because he was cold, it was wet. I'm like, suck it up, you do this to yourself. I'm going to eat Chick-fil-A. But I, I, we're trying to teach him these things about, it's called discernment. And this word has really stuck out to me lately. And in this passage we're going to read this morning, it's a crucial part of our spiritual journey of knowing and following Jesus is developing spiritual discernment. So if you're a type A person and you take notes on Sunday mornings, which if you take notes are like fast passes into heaven, you just show God, I got my notes. And he'll be like, skip the line, come on in. It's not true, but I like to think it is. But if you take notes, I'm going to give you the bottom line really early in today's message. If you don't take anything else away, let me say it like this. The key to live the good life, we must develop spiritual discernment. To live the good life, we must develop spiritual discernment. If you've been in church the past couple weeks, you may have already turned your Bibles to Revelation chapter 2. But that's where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. It'll be on the screens for you. You have your phone swiped there. Bibles uh, turned there. Um... If you grew up in church, I don't know if you remember, it used to sound like rain. Like whenever the pastor would say, hey, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2, you'd hear the, <laughs> and it would just sound like rain. Now it doesn't. But anyways, I, it's just y'all remember sword drills? I'm going on a complete rabbit trail. If you grew up in church, we did this thing called sword drills to humiliate slow people. And what it was was you would be like, all right, Revelation chapter 2, go. And the first person to get there would stand up and begin to read it. And everybody else had to sit there and be quiet, and that person at our church would get like $10. Nobody else did that? Okay. Uh, so Revelation chapter 2, uh, we're going to look at the, this letter to this church called Thyatira. Talk about a tongue twister. A church called, a city called Thyatira. Now, if you'll notice, if you've already turned there, this is the longest letter written to any of the churches we've looked at in Revelation chapter 2 thus far. And let me say this in scripture, anytime a letter is written to a church and there are more words, that's not a good thing, right? Anytime there is a longer path, like so the church in Colossians, right, which is a whole letter or, ch or book written to this church, that's not a good thing. And so in this passage, one of the seven churches, it's the longest letter, it's not a good thing. Um, this is not a, you know, sometimes we read at cities and it's a capital, this is not a capital, this is not... Um, an epicenter of art. This city is not that. This city is known for having a lot of trade guilds. So, if you're running, what is a guild? Um, it's where they would do a lot of trading stuff. Imagine like the NFL. It is overall the NFL, so it's overall the fishing market. But there's a ton of different individual organizations that happen in this area, and that's what it was. So there's a bunch of different businesses um, in this area. Uh, so it is a really blue collar city, and. Let me say this about this city, just to give you some context. Paganism abounded here. Major gods being worshipped, Apollo being one of them. And there were rituals being held in these temples where a singular prophetess would sit in a tripod-like chair, give teachings in a trance-like state from Apollo. 
really weird stuff. Uh, so Jesus speaks this letter to John to write to the pastor and elders of this church. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 18, where we're going to pick up, he says this. And to the angel of the church, to the pastor of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance. And that your latter words exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and, and to eat f- uh, food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. I will give to each of you according to your works. But the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and when uh, earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, let me say the bottom line and what we're going to be talking about this morning. To live the good life, we must develop spiritual discernment. Now, what is discernment? It is a skill of understanding and applying God's word with the purpose of separating truth from error, essentially right and wrong. So this passage that we're looking at this morning starts off with this. Hey, to the pastors and elders of this church, the words of him who have eyes like fire and feet like bronze. What does that mean? Jesus' eyes like fire. They're, they're piercing. Nothing is left naked to him. He knows all things. He can see through lies and through fronts that we sometimes like to put up in our self-righteousness. He can see through it all. And so he's looking at this church, he's looking at these people, he's looking at us, and he's going, nothing is hidden from me. I know you, I know your thoughts, I know your heart, I know your desires. All things are laid out before him. It says he has feet of burnished bronze, meaning strength and power to crush his enemies. Then Jesus begins to, like a a pattern in previous chapters or uh, uh, letters, he begins to admonish them. Hey, great job loving people. Great job uh, having faith. Their works, great. Their service, great. Their patient, great. Even recently what you've done, good job. But there's something I have against you. And if I do not deal with it, it will limit your growth. So essentially it's like this. If Jesus is metaphorically standing there and he's like, hey, church of whatever, stand against this wall and he marks you with chalk, like you've grown. Awesome. The way you love people, your faith, how you've endured, how you serve. In fact, even what you've done recently, great. We're moving up in maturity in the faith. But if you don't handle what I'm about to tell you, 
I think you're done growing. I think there's a limit to your growth unless you deal with this. And this thing that they had to deal with was a lack of discernment. But I have this against you. And he begins to talk about this thing called Jezebel. Now, Jezebel, what he does, the last week we looked at, you know, the, the Old Testament story of Balaam, and he mentions that, and anybody in, in Jewish customs who knows the Old Testament would have known that, so it was really relatable and understandable to them, right? And so now he mentions Jezebel, and to these people who are very religious people, they're like, oh, we know the story of Jezebel in 1 Kings. Now, here's who Jezebel was. She was an evil queen in 1 Kings uh, 16 through 21. Jezebel was uh, married a king, the king of the, the Jewish people, and brought with her um, pagan worship from the land she came from. She had 800 prophets dedicated to Baal. Now, who is Baal? Very, Baal is this demon that required certain sacrifices and sexual immorality. So Jezebel, the Jezebel spirit is a demonic spirit. Let me say it like this. It's not isolated to women, Okay. So when I say this, don't think of gender, think of false teachings. So in this, but in this current situation, it is a woman. Not, not either here nor there, but that is not what the Jezebel spirit is. Think of it more of a false teaching. So uh, John is writing this letter. He's saying there's this prophetess that is preaching these things and teaching these things, and she has the spirit of Jezebel upon her. And so this church is tolerating this prophetess to actually come in and preach to them. So imagine here on a Sunday morning, I bring in this person who brings in new revelation about how to worship false deities, and we're like, oh, really? Tell me more. That's what this church was doing. And so uh, they are not holding to what the apostles taught, according to Acts chapter 2. She's seducing them to partake in debauchery. She's opened them up to idolatry, sexual immorality, and false gods. It's interesting to me how any time there is a false teacher, it always twists the view of sexual purity and worship. The most intimate relationship that we can have with, other, with our spouse, the person we're supposed to be connected with for the rest of our lives, is sex. And false teaching comes in and almost always twists it. Right? And then when it comes to worship, it's worship whomever. Worship this, worship that. And it robs the only thing who is worthy of our worship, the person of Jesus. And so whenever there is false teaching, it, miss, it, it just deludes this, this pure view of sex. And it also robs Jesus of the praise that he is the only one worthy of. Of. And that's what this Jezebel spirit, this Jezebel prophetess, is, is teaching and preaching during this time. But Jesus does give her grace, right? 2 Peter 3.9, it says, He's not willing that any should perish. He is slow to anger, slow to wrath, slow to judgment. He's given her time, but now that time is up. Now he will remove her, take her out. And Jezebel's children in the Old Testament, Joram, her child Joram, was killed by another king. So what is Jesus getting at that he will kill her children, this prophetess? Well, the elders and the leaders didn't squash these false teachings. And Jesus says he's gonna, he gave her time to repent. He's, now he's going to take her out. And her children, her biological children, no. The, those who followed and believed her teachings, her spiritual children. 
And so that's what he's, he's getting at. It's, he's like, I, it's, I'm going to remove her from the church because y'all have refused to. And those who believed her, I'm going to remove them as well. What does this look like? I don't know. But that's what Jesus says in, in this passage, just to give you some clarity. We move on, and it says, because you have believed the deep things of Satan. What is the deep things of Satan? I, I know I'm doing a lot of expository, you know, uh, ex- explanation, but I think it's important before we get to the application of this passage. The deep things of Satan, Gnosticism, the Illuminati, the third eye type stuff where people say there is this select group of people that have this hidden knowledge that know things that other people can't know, don't know. You know, in the words uh, of Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth, right? That's what he's talking about, as if this prophetess has some divine revelation that this church does not understand or know. It's false teaching. And that's what this letter is getting at. Listen, you and I have the same revelation that these people have. You have the same revelation. There is not some secret special connection I have to the Father. You have the same word of God and the same Holy Spirit that I have. So if I ever get up here on a Sunday and be like, guys, I was reading this, 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 this passage and this brand new revelation never taught before has God put it in my spirit, here's what I would do if I were you, get up and leave. You have the same truth that I have. Now, some truth you may have never heard before, but if it's proven in scripture, it's true. So how do we develop discernment against the the Jezebel spirit against this false sense of we know what actual truth is or we know the hidden things in life. How, what do we do with this? Because to be honest, in our world, there is a lot of it, is there not? You are missing out because you're in this cult called Christianity. There is so much more in life than what you're partaking in and doing. As if there's some hidden truth of joy that doesn't exist out there. What do we do? What do we do when temptation comes our way? How do we develop discernment? Number one, know God's truth and hold fast to it. Know God's truth and hold fast to it. Revelation 2.25 says this, Only hold fast what you have until I come. Hold fast to God's word until I call you home or I come. Hold on to my truth. There's this phrase I like to use. Not all truth sets you free. Your truth doesn't set you free. Your friend's truth may not set you free. The truth sets you free. And hang on to that truth with everything you have. Hold fast. When the world shakes around you, we're on solid ground that doesn't shake. Hold fast to God's truth. How do you know when there's a false teacher? Let me say it like this. Anytime somebody on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook sounds so motivational with special revelations not found in Scripture, do your homework and fact check. Anytime the reward of following Jesus is what this world has to offer, it's false teaching. If you follow Jesus, he will give you money. If you follow Jesus, he will heal the sick. Right now in the hospital. 
If you follow Jesus, you can be as dumb as you want with your money, and yet he will still give you all the finances in the world. If you follow, anytime there is a, if you follow Jesus, he will give you this and what the world has to offer. It's false teaching. See, Jesus plus something equals the reward is false, but Jesus plus nothing equals the reward because Jesus is the reward. That's truth. So hold fast until you see him or he comes back. Hold fast. Keep your eyes on him. Pursue truth. Hold on to truth. Outside of Sunday mornings. You know what's a very sad truth that I have noticed in our churches as of recently? Anytime there is a 15, 16, or 17-year-old boy who starts to take God seriously, starts to read commentaries, and begin to pursue God with everything he has, we automatically say, you belong in ministry. You belong in a pulpit. You belong preaching and leading the church. Why? Because the standard of Christianity is so mediocre in America. Anytime somebody begins to take it seriously, they're a Jesus freak who belong in full-time ministry. And I don't, I don't mean to come down on you. <laughs> I pray, I pray that's, not my, I, that's not my spirit of how you're receiving it. But to call up, we have to call out. And American Christianity mediocrity is running rampant to where any time somebody knows more than Philippians 4.13, Genesis 1.1, and John 3.16, we're like, whoa, you're a Bible dude. No, I'm a follower of Jesus who doesn't settle for ignorance. I know my truth, lest I be deceived by false teachings. I'm holding fast to God's truth. And that's what God is saying, what John is saying in this chapter. Hold fast to my truth until I call you home or until I return. Number two, live, at a, live as a citizen of heaven and with faith that Jesus is king. Do you live as if this is ultimate or do you live as if you are a pilgrim going somewhere else trying to take as many people with you as you can? Do you live as if what? other people say is the ultimate authority or if this contradicts what God says I'm his more than I'm yours the spirit of Jezebel was trying to convince these Christians to obey and live as if these other teachings were true and if they didn't there would be serious consequences there's going to be curses on you there's going to be curses on your home there's going to be this there's going to be that there's a lot of supernatural stuff and for us today, what does that look like? If you really take Jesus seriously, you're going to lose a lot of relationships. And you might. But you belong to a greater community called the body of Christ. Hey, if you really begin to take this Jesus stuff seriously, man, those Friday nights ain't going to be as turnt. <laughs> right? That immediate satisfaction leading to the Saturday hangover and regret, it's not going to be there anymore, right? You're right. I just got eternal joy and peace in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that surpasses all understanding. I'm good with that. And I don't escape to those things as a vice anymore for comfort. I escape to Jesus because he is the comfort. Live as if you are a citizen of heaven and Jesus is king, unshaken by false truths, full of hope and full of faith. Third, how about this? Our reward for following Jesus is Jesus. 
Revelation 20 or 2, 28, it says this, and I will give him the morning star. What is the morning star? It's Jesus. He is our reward. So when we die and see him, or when he comes back in a blazing fashion, that is our reward. Eternal life and eternal glory with no more brokenness. Only holiness because of Jesus. So keep your eyes on him. I know I talk about this a lot, but I have a great fear of the ocean. I have a great fear of big bodies of water. If I can't touch the bottom, I want no part of it. I have a serious fear of drowning, and I remember growing up, um, you know, in the great ocean, there's a lot of things um, pulling at you, pushing you, um, and if you've ever stood in the ocean for longer than 10 minutes and you look back at shore, you've seen you've shifted, you've moved. I remember when I was younger, my mom would only say ankle deep, and my dad would be like, go waist. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll go waist deep. <laughs> and so I would get in the ocean, and my dad would always tell me, though, look for this tent. Look for this umbrella. This is where you need to be center with almost at all times. Look for this. And you get in the ocean, and you begin to, you, you didn't feel anything, you just thought you were, playing and you're jumping around your body surfing or whatever and next thing you know you look at the shore and you're like it was literally just right there <laughs> did they leave me what happened what uh, wh where to go and you're like oh it's two miles that way right <laughs> like you nobody drifts forward if you drift you are drifting somewhere you should not be it takes intentionality, and our word for the day, discernment, to constantly be checking in about where our cornerstone is. And so, when I am out in the ocean, or the world, living my life, and things are pulling at me, or pushing me, or tugging me one way, or another way, it cannot be a Sunday only, let me check in with Jesus. Um, I don't know where I am. It is a Monday, I know where my umbrella is. I know where Jesus is. Monday afternoon, I know where my Jesus is. Monday night, I know where my Jesus is. Tuesday, oh, I'm starting to go over here. No, I got to get back over here because I know where my Jesus is. It's the Tuesday, it's a, it's a well, that, that song, I need thee every hour I need thee is a joke. It's every second I need you because if not, I am going to sway one way or another because I am not strong enough to stand against the current or even realize that the current is pulling me one way or another, but it is. And so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And let me say it like this. We don't pursue Jesus to receive everything he gives. We pursue Jesus because Jesus is our reward. Jesus is the ultimate. And it is a privilege and honor to have a relationship here that doesn't stay here. It goes on into eternity. Jesus is our reward. False teaching says different, but truth says he is our everything. How do I know this? You know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus feeds the 5,000 with, with some fish and some bread, and he crosses the Sea of Galilee, and 
um, you know, that's when Jesus walks on water and he asks Peter to come walk on water. It's a crazy story. He gets to the other side and a lot of people have either sailed with him or they've walked around, but there is a mass crowd on the other side waiting to see what he's going to do next. And a lot of it is the same people. So when Jesus in that moment looks at these people and goes, hey guys, I'm the bread of life. What he's essentially saying is, I know I gave you physical bread over there to, to satisfy you then, but I'm here to tell you I am the bread of life who will give you satisfaction and ultimate hope and faith for eternity. So I am greater than anything. You want, you think this will give you peace? I am peace. You think this will give you comfort? I am comfort. You think this will give you joy? I am joy. You think this will give you life? I am life. You think this is truth? I am the truth. So Jesus is everything our soul is actually looking for in this life. Jesus is your reward. He is your reward. And last but not least, how do we develop discernment? We hold fast to God's truth. We live as a citizen of heaven, remembering those truths. We, we remember that our reward is Jesus. And then last but not least, this has been a theme throughout these letters in chapter 2, we listen to the Holy Spirit. And as we close, I want to give space to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Whatever Jezebel lie that has been fed to you that you now know is false or that the holy that you knew was false i pray that the holy spirit would sift it out as you fix your eyes upon jesus let me say this i know this is not the most popular message and in fact i i struggle to even preach this message because i know these messages thin out a church this is not a rah rah let's go charge hell with water pistols type of message this is to call out spiritual streakers type of message. You just have the helmet of salvation, and that's it. <laughs> this is a message that I, I implore all of you to implement in your everyday lives, that you need discernment. Keep your eyes on Jesus, for he is the way, the truth, and the life, and dare I say, the good life. We need discernment. How do we get discernment? We have disciplines. I'm disciplined in my Bible reading. I'm disciplined in my prayer time. I'm disciplined in my attendance to church and my community of, of fellow believers. Because disciplines lead to discernment, which leads to different. And we need some spiritual disciplines, we need some spiritual discernment, and we, because we are here to make a difference. And if there is no difference in you, there cannot be a difference out there. We cannot tell the world that Jesus changes everything when there is no change within us. We need spiritual discernment. When it makes you unpopular, yes. But we're spiritual people. We're already weird. We believe a God who spoke everything into existence, sustains all things, that there are thousands of years of Old Testament books that prophesied about one man, and this one man, fully man and fully God, stepped down into creation, died on a cross. All the wrath that God had towards sin was put on him. He actually died, went to a place called hell, grabbed the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and says, I win walked out of the grave three days later and invites all of humanity to follow him, to have eternal life, and to give you the good life even here and now. 
What I just said is preposterous. That is wild. It would be much easier to just think, I don't know. I don't know how we got here. I think some just particles got together. Boom, we're here. But I think the unwritten law of the universe is that every single individual knows they are spiritual in some way, shape, or form. And those that follow Jesus have that affirmation and confirmation from the Holy Spirit of this is truth. This is the gospel. I do not know of any other religion that reaches down in the pit of despair to people and gives them eternal hope. Every other religion says heaven is here. Our faith says heaven stepped down to here and died for you so that way one day you get to spend eternity in heaven with him. How amazing is that? And I implore those who call themselves Jesus followers to live like him, to use spiritual discernment in every single day life. If you have temptation on social media, you don't need social media. I'm sure your family would benefit if you had less screen time. If social media is a shortfall for you into temptation, delete it. Who cares? To be honest. If certain shows or movies, we, I can't even tell you the most relevant show 10 years ago because it doesn't matter. anything is robbing you from following Jesus, use discernment through the power of the Holy Spirit and get rid of it. Listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. Follow Jesus with everything you have, for he is our reward.